0: so good to be here with all of you and for those of you watching online um my name is helen i'm pastor of community life here at new life pastor rich is on vacation for him Uh, let's pray that he has just a refreshing time amen Um, he's such a fantastic leader and let's just pray that he and his family will just have such a good renewing time i do have one announcement i want to share as we start On the last saturday of this month we're going to have a summer party called civic picnic circles and this is to continue our conversations around racism and to better and deepen our understanding of one another in our church we're blessed to have such a diverse congregation that means that there's so many learning points Um, all of our stories are so different and so this will be a safe space it's just meant to be a place where you can share whatever you want of your own personal experience of racism as you were growing up maybe more recently, and it's meant to deepen our understanding and experiences of each other. So it will be hosted by pastors Jackie, Kate, um, Sharon, and myself. And so we have a few people who have signed up, and we would love to have more um, to just join us, and it'll be a time of coming and eating together and hearing and getting to know each other better. So hope you come out for that. Um, So right now, we've been in a series as a church called The Promises of God. And Pastor Rich kicked it off with reminding us that God promises that he will sustain us. And last week, Pastor Sharon led us through Psalm 23, and she reminded us, God is with us, always. And today, we're going to look at the promise that God is good. You know, And that word good, when you look at that word good or hear that word good, what comes to mind? You know, for Us, we use this word so much in our everyday language that often the meaning can be lost. So we talk about a good meal, a good book, a good friend, a good husband, a good wife. Um, Good can mean enjoyable, right? That was a good movie, right? It can mean, you know, the condition of something. You're picking out your outfit, you're like, what should I wear? Oh, wear the good shirt, right? Or it can also actually mean average. When we say something is a good restaurant, it's like on Yelp is three, three and a half stars, right? That's a good restaurant. It's not a great restaurant. It's a good restaurant. So what does it mean when we say God is good? You know, that the word itself gets mixed in so many different ways. So last week, we had that fantastic picture that Pastor Sharon shared with us of what it is to be um, a sheep under the guidance of a shepherd. And she had that sheep that was frolicking away, falling headlong into a ditch, only to be rescued by that shepherd who was so attentive, and then to gamble away and fall precisely back into that same ditch. And how, you know, we are under the watchful eye of our shepherd. So we're going to continue that image um, by looking in John 10, where Jesus has seven I am phrases that, when he's talking about himself. And in John 10, we're going to look at verses 11 to 18. He says that I am the good shepherd. So let's read these verses. John 10, 11 to 18. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this Sunday, and we're so grateful to be able to be in the house of worship together, online and in person. God, that we can gather together as brothers and sisters to be reminded of truth, and to set our eyes on you, and to be lifted up in this place. And so as we come to your word today, we just ask that you would refresh us, that you'd open our hearts, our minds, help us to see what it means that you are good, that you promise to us that you are a good God. We invite you to fill our hearts and minds and our church today, in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this passage in John 10, Jesus gives us a look at that word good by giving us a word picture, and it's that of a good shepherd. You know, and that word is put there, good, in front of the shepherd because it means something. Goodness is a quality that's inherent, that's innate, that only comes out when it's tested through time, right? You can only really see that something is good over time. Martin Luther, the German theologian and key figure in the Reformation, you know, he talked about a christian shoemaker and he said the christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on the shoes but by making good shoes because god is interested in good craftsmanship good shoes is not something that's an externally decorated thing that looks good externally only but it's something that's through substance through time the substance and the inner quality of that work comes out it doesn't fall apart the leather, it shows the quality of that leather. It stays with you through all the ups and downs that your feet travel on. Goodness is revealed. The substance within is revealed over time. And the same thing is true about a shepherd. Being a shepherd was not an easy job. It was a tiring, fatiguing task. These sheep are cute in a picture, but when they're wandering all over the place or you know, following each other over into a ditch, One after another because sheep are very social to the point that they stick together no matter what, come what may. And so they're loyal, but they're not the most wise (laughs) in discerning uh, where to go. And so being a shepherd was a tireless job because in the heat of the day, you still have to be on watch. And so you're bearing the sun beating down on you. At night, it's freezing cold in the desert, and yet the shepherd is wide awake keeping watch over his flocks and on top of that are the predators sheep delicious sheep have no fangs right there's nothing to protect them and so for a nice and hungry wolf this is the perfect meal to just snatch away but a good shepherd would be on the watch and if there was a vicious wolf lurking nearby and even attacking one of the sheep he would step in in between he would protect that vulnerable sheep because he cares deeply for the sheep And Jesus is just such a good shepherd. You know a good shepherd through the testing of time, through the days of heat and cold, and through the times when there are attacks upon the sheep. The good shepherd, Jesus says, lays down his life for the sheep. And the goodness of God is revealed in that commitment to us, even in the face of death. Jesus came intentionally, knowing that we are sheep, under attack. Right ahead of our verses, Jesus says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's on the prowl, and we were under the power of sin. And so Jesus entered our world because he's a good shepherd, knowing very well that this means stepping in the face of danger and stepping into a life that would not maybe, but would definitely end in death. He knew he was stepping into a life that had a cross right at the end. He knew that was what it was, but because he's a good shepherd unto death, he cares so deeply for each of us who are his sheep, and he would never want us to just leave us out there and say, well, you know, this is kind of dangerous. Why should I put myself in the risk of such danger? Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Goodness is seen in God and his commitment to us, even in the face of death who do you know that would do that for you, that would risk their own life, give up all of their future, give up all that they had, their relationships for you? The perfect one, Jesus, has done that on the cross for us. Not only that, but Jesus continues to say the good shepherd knows his sheep a shepherd was one that was familiar with the sheep. It wasn't just a job of just, like, standing around going, okay, graze, okay, time to go, you know. But a shepherd was so attentive to each one. He actually spent all that time just watching each one going, yeah, that one's kind of lazy. Always, I have to always poke it this way. Here, here's the grass. Come, come, find the grass, you know. Or this one is so mischievous, always wandering off. We're all here, but this one always got to wander off. And then the shepherds would name the sheep after each one's personality. And over time, each one had a name. And the shepherd was so familiar. To us in that picture, they all look alike. They all look kind of dirty and wooly and sound the same. But to the shepherd, each one was so dear. And a good shepherd knew his sheep and his sheep knew him. They say that sheep have facial recognition, but they also have voice recognition. So when all the flocks would gather at the well and they would all be mixing together, each shepherd would separate out their flocks simply by calling them. The sheep would perk up their ears and when their shepherd was calling, like, oh, here's my shepherd and go off this way, the other one will go that way. How intimate is that relationship? And How precious. And Jesus is just that kind of shepherd. He knows us intimately. The good shepherd knows you. The shepherd was so attentive to the condition of his flock. Each one, if someone had a cut, if somebody was wounded, if someone, uh, a sheep was getting sick, would notice right away, if there was a bit of disease breaking out on the skin or in the wool, would be so attentive. And the good shepherd is attentive to you. He knows exactly your condition. He knows whether you've been wounded. He knows where you've been wounded. And he sees your condition in this moment. The good shepherd is Jesus and he is relationally committed to you. In his goodness, he's committed to have this relationship with you and to pay attention to you. It's not just a job. You know, the cross is not just for that moment, but in the everyday and in what is to come, he is committed to you. He is attentive to you. In these two things that we see about the Good Shepherd, His commitment to us, you know, God's goodness that we see in his commitment to us, even in the face of death, and in his relational commitment to us. We see a picture that is played out of goodness that we can appreciate. How do we actually see that lived out in the life of Jesus, his relational care? We see it in how he was willing to live day after day with the disciples, you know, and they needed a lot of guidance. They weren't always the brightest or the most willing followers or the most understanding they had to be taught things multiple times many times um, i'm probably one of those <laughs> like oh, what was that again oh yeah yeah, yeah. you're good um, and so he did that he, he there was also three scenarios i want to bring out a few times throughout our message today but there were particular relationships throughout scripture where you just see that relational care of jesus one of those is when there's a bleeding woman who has been bleeding for 12 years. Can you imagine that no doctor could cure her, she has spent all her money, and she w- must have smelled you know, in a strong, strong way, and because she was bleeding, her neighbors would have thought her unclean and everyone would have given her a lot of space. So imagine for 12 years, being socially distanced for 12 years, and also being regarded as unclean, and just not seeing any hope of a cure. And so when she sees that Jesus is going by in this big crush of a crowd, and Jesus is on his way to heal an important man's daughter, and so he's busy and he's on a mission, but she's so desperate. She says, well, maybe if I could just sneak in and I just touch his garment, he could heal me. I think he could heal me. And so without trying to call any attention, she squeezes herself into this crowd and touches the edge of Jesus' cloak as he's rushing to heal this daughter of Jairus. And in that moment, she's healed. Now that's wonderful, right? She received her healing, she could move on, but Jesus doesn't just keep going. He stops immediately and says, who touched me? And he's so aware, he's so relationally invested, that he's not willing for this woman who has always been on the margins to stay on the margins. And to think of herself as, oh, I'm glad I'm healed and, you know, nobody knows me. But he stops there and says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, like, uh, Jesus, there's a crowd here. We are, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Everyone touched you, you know. But Jesus says, no, no, there was some, someone. And he parts the crowd until that woman realized she can't get away with this secretly. And so she comes before Jesus. The person who is secretly trying to touch Jesus comes and has to meet Jesus and he says daughter and she gets to experience that Jesus was relationally invested there was a time where he was just resting by a well waiting for the disciples to come back with food and a Samaritan woman came along and the Jews and Samaritans were really enemies disliked each other deeply thought very negatively of each other and this woman is coming in the middle of the day when it's the hottest time the time you don't want to get any water from the well And she's there because she doesn't want to see anybody, because she has a checkered past. And so she sees this man, but she's like, he'll probably leave me alone. And she's getting her water, but then Jesus says, would you give me a cup of water? (laughs) Jesus is so relationally invested that even when he's tired and he knows you want to be left alone, he'll say, hey, would you get me a cup of water? He'll start a conversation with you because he is relationally invested in you. He is not there to just be a god in a distance, but he wants to be up close. And so out of that initial conversation comes out her past. She's able to share a story that was originally something full of shame. He pursues her and has this conversation with someone that is a woman, that is a Samaritan, and that has this past. He crosses those boundaries. A man named Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, crazy rich, And he has made a killing off of robbing people with a little bit extra here, a little bit extra there that he's taxing, and so people despise him. But he wants to see Jesus, so he's short, so he climbs a tree, and Jesus walking by could have said, "Ugh, Zacchaeus, crook," right? But he doesn't do that. He stops, he sees him, and notices he wants to have that connection. He says, "Zacchaeus, I want dinner. Can you feed me?" You know, he invites him into this man's house. Instead of saying, What do you want me to do for you? Right? He's so relationally connecting. And Jesus purposely notices him and he invites himself into the home of this man that everyone else thinks so lowly of. God's goodness is seen in his relational investment in us. God is relationally invested in you. How have you seen that in your own life? How are you seeing it today? Have you seen God pay attention to you in certain ways? Maybe his personal correction in some ways? Experiences of his power at work? Each of us individually, God cares to reach out to. It's not just, Christianity is not just someone else's story. It's a personal story. It's a collective story, but it's also individually personal. And so we see God's goodness in, in all of these stories, and i just want to make a note that the only reason we know what good is is because of god whatever we use that word good for the only reason we know a good something good someone goodness in anything is because of god he's the origin of goodness and you know this image of this shepherd we might think well we live in new york city this is an urban setting what does it have to do with us But a shepherd was a caretaker of the sheep, and the sheep were very reliant. They entrusted themselves to the shepherd. And so in many ways, we can definitely resonate with this image in that we also entrust ourselves to many different kinds of shepherds over the course of our lives. As a child, we entrust ourselves to our parents. Perhaps they were good, perhaps they were lacking in some ways, perhaps they were absent, but we know that It matters if they're good. As we're growing up, we entrust ourselves to teachers, um, as citizens, lawmakers, the police, manufacturers of all the things we buy and eat and use and wear. We entrust ourselves when we're ill to the hands of doctors, perhaps if we need surgery to the hands and the the tools of a surgeon. Goodness in those moments matters. When we entrust our lives and what's precious to us, it matters. And when we see something and someone being good, we're so grateful, aren't we? Because in our world, we see plenty of times where there's malicious intent, where there's people who don't care, where they are not good shoemakers or good doctors or good lawyers. There are plenty of those examples. So when we taste goodness, we're so grateful. But we can only know that goodness because of God, because God is good and he shares that with us. So what happens because of God's goodness? The first thing is that God's goodness transforms our lives. It doesn't just, it's not just something that's just kind of sprinkled upon us, and we just kind of float in this atmosphere of goodness. It's a transforming goodness. And so when we look back at those lives I just talked about that Jesus encountered, Right? That woman who was bleeding, who was so like surreptitious, she just wanted to get healed, she didn't want anyone to notice her. She was transformed by the experience of goodness because she was brought into the center of that crowd. To know that she mattered. You know, not so that she gets just gets some attention, but yes, for some time, to know that she matters enough to get attention and so that she knows she's not just someone on the margins, but she is a daughter. The goodness of God transformed her life the woman that was at the well, she was so ashamed, coming when no one else was getting water so she wouldn't have to chit-chat with anybody or look at, you know, receive all the side glances people would give her. But in the transforming experience of God's goodness, she was set free as she was sharing with Jesus and realized that he was the Messiah, that he was who she had been waiting for, the Son of God. She was set free from her shame, and instead of, like, you know, she was there in the middle of the day all alone, but she goes running back into town. (laughs) This is a woman set free and saying, oh, I can share my story. Look what he has done, and look what he has told me. And suddenly what was so shameful becomes a testimony of God's goodness. That is a transforming power of God. Whatever your story is, no matter how checkered or shameful you may be at this moment, when God's goodness touches it, it becomes transformed into a testimony. That is a powerful presence of God. Zacchaeus, man, building an empire, building me and mine, my, my stuff, my money, and then suddenly he became free to release it. The transforming power of God gave him the inner desire to no longer just stuff for himself, but to release it outward and to pay back, to own up to what he had cheated and to pay back four times that amount. Right? There's a shift that happened in his heart that made him release what he used to hold on to so tightly. And God's goodness is transforming in these ways. And so how have you seen God's goodness transform your life? What have you been made to let go of? How have you shifted in how you see yourself? Sometimes as a Christian, we kind of coast after a while, and we don't take enough time to reflect that, wow, things have changed in my life. My attitude is not what it used to be. My language is not what it used to be. My thinking is not what it used to be. I am really different. Uh, My perspective, my values. Um, And there's so much goodness that God has personally worked in each of us. So where in your life today do you see, have you seen God's goodness at work? I just want to give you that for a moment to think about. god's goodness transforms but god's goodness will not always feel good because god's goodness is more committed to leading us into the ways of truth and righteousness in a full life than it is to us feeling good so you know the bible talks about how we have to die to ourselves to find true life right unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it will just be a single seed but when it dies it be produces many fruit in the Old Testament, the people of God, the Israelites, wandered around in the wilderness in circles. Can you imagine for forty years like, where am I going today? same place I've always gone for the last forty years. You know can you imagine that life of just like, man, what is this? But you know, something had to die in them. Something had to be purged and let go, and it had to take that kind of wilderness period to bring that let them set them free from that so that they could step in to the promised land as the sons and daughters of God and so God's goodness will not always feel good it will sometimes feel like you're disintegrating man. everything you're used to everything that you're so comfortable with I had to let this go but in that comes life that you only experience after death right? Jesus experienced a resurrection and he is alive and seated at the right hand of God and that life came after his death on the cross and for us too as followers of him as we die to ourselves and say Jesus you are now Lord only that life of really experiencing God's goodness really knowing him and his his faithfulness comes after that death of putting ourselves as Lord and so God's goodness will not always feel good But God's goodness is better seen over time. So there's Israelites, they're wandering, wandering. And in that midst of that, and maybe you are in such a wilderness, you're in this period of like, what is going on? I don't feel purpose. I'm not sure what God is up to. But sometimes you'll see it way, way later as we stay the course. And it was years later, throughout scripture, you see God's people say again and again, taste and see, the Lord is good. They go through all kinds of situations, illness, disease, war, all this stuff, and at the end, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, that declaration, goodness comes sometimes over time. I know in my own life, the first 15 years of my life were really hard. My sister and I, I have an older sister, four years older than me. We grew up in a home where our mom was mentally ill, pretty severely where later on she was diagnosed, and we realized it was called paranoia, schizophrenia, but we were just living in this situation. And it meant a lot of darkness. It meant a lot of limitations. We weren't allowed to go anywhere. Definitely, I wasn't. And over time, just increased darkness in our home. And there was so much that happened in those first 15 years that have just really shaped my life. Um, It has deeply hurt me in many ways. It has deeply formed certain habits and understandings, and a lot of unlearning and healing has had to happen and still continues to happen. But despite that, when I look back at those 15 years and all of the period of my life, I can say God is faithful and God is good. You know, through all that darkness that we experienced, you know, somehow we saw glimmers all throughout. Of how god noticed we were like nothing special we were nobody family in the middle of flushing so unattached to anybody socially so we were really not seen in many ways and yet god noticed and he provided when we were struggling financially when a lot of other things were happening he was providing little things um my mom despite her mental illness was a serious woman of faith like power prayer warrior all of that and it was really because of her that I have to say that I came to know Christ early. When I was eight years old is when I made my decision to make Jesus Lord. And I still remember that day. And it was her example of faith despite all her struggles. It was the moments that where I experienced God while I was with her, while we were praying together as a family. And so I'm so grateful because I needed that faith to carry me through that time and beyond. You know, how good is God that he allowed me to know him early? And in the midst of literal darkness in our home, as my mom's depression increased, I would often come home from school, the house would be dark, shades down, and she was just sitting in the darkness. In the midst of that darkness, there were still pockets of moments where our family was laughing, where there was just silliness. Stories that my sister and I have of things that we were giggling about, uh, moments of goodness that we still crack up about today. Goodness was all throughout. So when I look back, when I have that arch of time to look back on, I see, yeah, God is good. It didn't always feel good, you know. And I don't think God wanted all these things for us. But in the midst of that, he still worked all things towards the good of knowing him and becoming like him. And so my last point about goodness is not just that, you know, we see it over time that we don't always feel good and that transforms but that when we encounter God's goodness in that transforming goodness we ourselves become carriers of his goodness you know goodness is a mark of a Christian you know if we go to a Christian anyone like any job Christian baker Christian you know there should be goodness there because we have encountered true goodness I remember, and, but it's not always easy, right? I remember working in a nonprofit um, that was a toxic workplace, and I seem to have an affinity. I, I don't mean here. <laughs> but prior to New Life, um, I have had many toxic workplace experiences where I was like, Lord, I must really, you must really want to do a work in me because this is one after another, but this particular nonprofit. Um, I remember being interviewed by the boss, and I was really excited about the job because it was for a good cause. And so my first day, you know, bright-eyed, bushytail came in early, sat at my desk. I was like, ooh, nice big desk. You know, And saw my boss come in early. And so as she walks in, of course, I'm going to greet her. So I said, good morning, you know, very cheerful. And she just turned and looked at me and then turned back, <laughs> continued to talk to whoever she was talking to. And I was like, hmm this is interesting, this is not boding very well for the future, but maybe she didn't hear me. (laughs) So I said again, good morning, you know, yeah, I'm the annoying coworker who will always greet you. And so she, again, just kind of looked, gave me a little nod, and turned back, no words at all. So I had a good feeling from that day forward, what it was going to be like, and it was true, it was a tough place to work. And it was just like the morale was down. There was a lot of back talking behind with all the staff about each other. Um, There were really no celebrations happening at work. And there was a lot of micromanaging of like distrust, out of distrust. You know, did you do this? You know, are you still working on that? What are you doing now? Are you on your email? Is that a personal thing? Constant questions. And so in this workplace, though, I had felt called to this job. I mean, I... Went in, I was like, oh, Lord, did I hear you well? Did I discern well? (laughs) But I had really prayed about this I really felt that this was where I was supposed to be. And even in the midst of all that, there was just a sense of peace that God had put me here. But there was this status quo in our, this morale in our workplace that was like the ocean I was living in for at least eight hours or more a day. And so, but in my time with God, I just felt like, well, I am supposed to be here But you know, I know something better than this. There is a better way to work than this. There is a better way to relate with others than this. So even if we're all going to attack each other, let me try not to follow this. And so it started with little things. (laughs) I mean, this was hard, you know, but, you know, just being friendly, even if I got the, you know, or no response or very slow responses back. And it began with little celebrations, like, oh, it's someone's birthday. Hey, can we do a cake? Would you guys be good with doing cake? And then I was like, oh, yeah, if you do it. It's like, okay, well, I'll get a cake, guys. And so here's the cake, and we're going to celebrate. And then we celebrate everybody's birthday. It began with just, like, doing little things, being faithful with my tasks, um, getting things done on time when I said I was going to get them done. And over time, year after year, I saw changes happen. And I was so grateful, because it didn't get become perfect, guys. <laughs> like, it was still a tough place. But I saw people saying hello to each other. Our meetings, there were genuinely more conversation. It wasn't just a top-down, this is what we're going to do, silence, like, and a fear of leadership. There was a lot more dialogue. There was more input from the staff. A lot of things changed. And over time, others were also partners with me in building this kind of culture. And it was so good to see. You know it, that only could happen because of God's goodness. If I didn't taste what was possible with God and that He is the reality over anything I'm experiencing in this world, there was no way I would have been just eaten alive in that workplace. And it really took every lunch hour. I started this practice of like, oh my gosh, I need oxygen, like, like just good air. And so I would just go to my car. My often my lunches and my coworkers thought I was really weird was I would just take my packed lunch into the car, <laughs> which is like literally parked outside the office, and then just sit there and eat and pray. Or park a little ways away and just pray, because I just needed time to just connect with God, to withstand the culture. And so there's this great quote by Thomas Merton. He's an American Trappist monk and theologian. And I think he says it so well. He says, a saint is not someone who's good, but who experiences the goodness of God. God's goodness transforms us. It makes us carriers of his goodness. So for you right now, you know, you have different situations and places you are. Where is God calling you to kind of just show that? Who is that that he wants you to show to? They may not deserve it, so to speak. The whole culture around you may say, that's a waste of your time. But if you have tasted the goodness of God, What a beautiful thing that the world could be full of carriers of God's goodness. The world needs that. They're desperate. They're hungry to know that there is goodness. And so God's goodness means that he is committed to us, even to death. Even to the face of death, he comes for us. It means that he is committed to have a relationship with you personally. And it's not just an abstract thought, but that God is good. It's not just some thing we say. It's a promise of God. He promises that he is a good God. He promises us so that means that he could be trusted. It means that he will be faithful to his promises. It is a promise he extends towards us. So as we close, I want to just ask you, where are you today? As you're reflecting on that God is good. Are you having a really great moment where things are just going really well and you're like, yes, I feel that God is good. I can sense it because things are just working out in my life. If that's you today, I also want to just push you a little further and challenge you to say, search your heart and just know that in the moments where things are working out, that your posture is still with your open hands, that your view that God is good is not dependent on your circumstance. But that God is good no matter what. Or perhaps for you, you may be disillusioned or you're bored. You know, God hasn't feel like He's really up to anything for some time. And this just feels like you're clocking in and out on a Sunday service. Or maybe you're really struggling and you're having a hard time. Remember that perspective that God's goodness is seen over time. So sometimes it's a wilderness and it's not just for a day or even a year it could be a decade longer you know or even difficulty sometimes it's not for a day a year even longer than that and but over time God is faithful to be finish what he has started in you and you will see the goodness of God and so if you're struggling today I really encourage you to reach out to fellow brothers and sisters for prayer turn to scripture Christianity is not meant to be done solo. You know, we have the story of all God's people throughout history in the Bible and in the saints of the church since Jesus came. And there's testimony after testimony over severe illness and still testifying God is good. Over so many challenges and hurdles and even death and still testimony that God is good. And sometimes we just need to rely on the testimony of someone else who is following Christ when we just can't when we have nothing that we can say or there were no words. So I encourage you to reach out to someone today. So as we close, I just want to give you a moment to just connect with God and just ask and search your heart. You know, God, you are good. And just share with him where you are with that. Are you struggling? Are you celebrating? Do you want to thank him? Is there something specific that you have not even reflected on? You're like, yeah. Yes, you are good, God. I've seen you, your goodness in this. And that you move towards us, you are good. And that you have been so faithful in my life, you're good. just invite you right now to just take some time and come before God, reflecting on his goodness or asking for his help if you are struggling to know his goodness. Lord, we recognize and we're grateful today for your promise that you are a good God. You are good all the time. And those are not just words, a phrase. But Lord, it's a deep truth that you are good. It's a deep, loving truth that you are good. It is a holy promise that you are good. You are a good God. And no matter where we are god in this room you know exactly where we are you're the good shepherd who is attentive to all of our needs where we are in life with you where we are in our situation God, in all of that whether it feels good right now whether it is good whether it's really hard whether we're in the midst of an empty desert that seems so barren lord we recognize that your goodness if it's not seen right now It will be seen one day because you are faithful you don't make empty promises because you are good you are a good god and so god help us today to lean into that to recognize lord the only reason we can say something is good is because of you so thank you for the ways that you have let us taste and see your goodness again and again and again thank you jesus for coming for dying on the cross for us for coming intentionally facing death on our behalf to break the stronghold of sin in our lives and to free us to become your children god thank you for your goodness for pursuing us we bless you and we praise you and lord we pray this in jesus name amen As we close out i invite us to stand and i invite the prayer team to come to my left and for those of you maybe there's something that you want to share god has been speaking to you you just need a word of prayer i encourage you to come forward and receive prayer from your brothers and sisters sometimes we just need that extra how powerful and wonderful is it to have someone pray with us And after this, if you're watching online, I invite you into our sermon discussion. Every week following our service, we talk about what we've just discussed and preached and heard about. And that's such a great time to hear what others have learned, what others are challenged by, what others are struggling with. And it truly is an enriching conversation. So I invite you to join that by just clicking on the sermon discussion. And for some of you in this room, or maybe online, You want to know what it is to taste and see that the lord is good and god has been pursuing you you know none of us pursue the relationship with god first god is always the first initiator and how good is that and so god has been pursuing you and maybe you've never actually made a decision of faith to say yes i want jesus to be lord but he's inviting you right now so i want to ask you if that's you and you've never made that decision will you make a decision for christ to asking him to be lord over your life your priorities will be his all that you live for will be about him if you want to make that decision today you can do it by texting yes to jesus to this number on your screen or right here or come and see any of our staff we would love to pray with you and give you follow-up on what it means to walk with jesus moving forward And so now as we close out our service, I invite you to open your hands in a posture of receiving. And we do this because we can only give what we receive from God. And so, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And may you taste and see that the Lord is good as you walk out of these doors and this online gathering. And may you be carriers of his goodness in the strong, mighty, and powerful, and good name of Jesus. Amen.